Well, welcome to downtown Harbor Church, everybody. I'm so glad you're here. They've told me in our staff meeting this week that I'm not allowed to make fun of the announcements anymore from this stage, but they're terrible. I don't know what else to say. They're just so brutal. I can't do it anymore, but they're just, they're not getting any better, okay, unfortunately. Anyway, um, we're here talking about the big story. We are actually in week number 10 of the big story. Actually, I'm sorry, this is week number 11. We've spent 10 weeks here already, and we've been kind of diving in, taking a look at who were the players that were a part of this big story? Who were the people who over the course of time had influence were written about? And each one of these props represents a different person that we've talked about in the last 10 weeks. But one of the things that we did is we started 2018 as we sat around and we said, hey, if we were sitting out there, if we were watching this week in and week out, we'd probably have a question. And the question would go something like this. Hey, how does this all tie together, right? From beginning to end, we've heard these names, Joseph, Peter, Paul. Right? How does this all work together, culminating in the Savior, culminating in the risen Messiah that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, who next week as we celebrate Easter, we will celebrate his resurrection, his conquering the grave, right? How it all culminates in the life of Jesus. But one of the things that we said is that if you're probably like me, you might have read some of the big story, the Bible, and you might go, okay, well, once the Messiah comes, once Jesus comes, then that's probably it. That's a wrap, right? Not so, because some people after Jesus had to go and carry that message, carry that gospel to a world that so desperately needed it, that message of love and hope and restoration and peace. And who were those people who were a part of the big story? Well, two weeks ago, we talked about a guy by the name of Peter. One of Jesus' disciples who did not have it all together, who was kind of a mess from start to finish, who made a lot of mistakes, and Jesus said to him anyway, Jesus said to him regardless, you, Peter, are the person who's going to help me spread this message, this truth. You are the rock, right? And then last week, it was a really powerful time together as we took a look at the life of a person named Mary Magdalene. We use this broken mirror to represent her life and what that looked like. And Mary Magdalene was just a broken person. We talked last week about how Jesus cast demons out of her body. And she then followed after him and actually helped spread his message. And then today, we're going to talk about probably one of the most famous guys in the entire Bible. We're going to talk about somebody who has written about and wrote more in the New Testament than anybody else. And that guy's name is... Paul. Now, if you've been around the local church for any length of time, you've probably heard this guy's name before, but we use this object to represent Paul because Paul wrote letters to the early church. Paul not only traveled around, but he wrote letters and kind of instructed them as to what to do and encouraged them and guided them. Paul, right? Paul, dare I say, might just be, might just be the most famous Christian of what? Of all time. Paul might be the most famous Christian to ever walk the face of the earth. But the interesting thing is, is that Paul's story didn't start out with him as a Jesus follower. Paul's life, and by the way, gang, there's so much of Paul's life that we could go through. We could spend 10 weeks just on the life of Paul up here, but we had to kind of narrow it down. So I want to talk to you today about not only Paul's life, but then some of the things that he wrote about, which is so key. So stay with me, right? Because Paul, the Apostle Paul, one of the most famous Christians of all time, started out as a Pharisee. 
Paul was one of the religious scholars of the time. He was an ancient Jewish scholar. He would have known a lot about the ancient Jewish faith. Furthermore, Paul stood in opposition to the Jesus movement. Paul actually did not like Jesus. He thought Jesus was taken over. He did not believe in the beginning that Jesus was who he said that he was. In fact, he believed in the ancient Jewish faith and the ancient law so much that Paul, he actually hunted down and killed Christians. Paul would actually hunt down and kill the people who would consider themselves part of this new movement, the Jesus movement, this love your neighbor as yourself movement. Paul would actually hunt down and kill these people, an act that would be considered criminal, that would be considered criminal. Wait a second. Adam, how could this guy who you're talking about being one of the most famous Christians of all time, have this kind of a past, have this kind of a history. He's a murderer. Sounds like a psychopath. How could he be the most famous Christian potentially of all time? Well, as Paul was a Pharisee, something happened to him. And something happened in his life that transformed his life and basically transformed the history of humanity as we know it. Dare I say that if this next event had not happened, we might not even be sitting here in this room today. Because in the book of Acts chapter 9, it talks about what happened to Paul. Now, Paul was also known as Saul, just so you can understand that. There's a couple of people with multiple names throughout the big story. Paul is one of them. We're talking about the same guy during this scripture. Okay? In the book of Acts chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, Saul, who is Paul, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, against followers of Jesus. It goes on to say, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And then sure enough, he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And in that moment, this flash of light happened and this voice spoke to Saul, Saul, why are you doing this? Why are you actually persecuting me and my followers? What in the world are you doing? And in that moment, when this flash of light happened and this voice spoke to Paul, Paul knew he was dealing with a supernatural force, a God bigger than him. And he said this, what I love, who are you, Lord? Saul asked. Saul in that moment recognized who this was. Who are you, Lord? Who are you speaking to me? Tell me who you are. And it goes on to say this, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Don't miss this. In that one moment, Paul's life changed forever. He had a pivot moment where Jesus revealed himself to him and he became a follower of Jesus. Paul left his old life of persecuting and murdering behind specifically of those people inside of this movement and he went and followed after Jesus with all of his heart. That's why, because this miraculous thing happened, that he became one of the most famous Christians of all time. Now, just to kind of recap, don't miss this. Saul is... Paul. It's so important for us to understand that these names are interchangeable, right? Because sometimes we read that and then we get confused. But see, what I love so much about Paul is in that moment, something happened. In that moment after he became a follower of Jesus, he not only just put one big toe in the pool, right? He jumped right into the pool with both feet as he became a follower of Jesus. And Paul actually became a missionary, 
Now, some of you have probably heard this word before about what a missionary is. A missionary is sometimes when someone goes and they pick up where they're from, they go to a new place, a new country, and they help spread the message of Jesus. Well, that's what Paul did. Us here at Downtown Harbor Church, when we first started a couple of years ago, we kind of coined the phrase that we are trying to be missionaries in our own city, right where we're at. And so we can relate to this and understand this. But Paul, on his missionary journeys, this guy who had this transformative experience with Jesus, Paul traveled everywhere. He went from place to place to place, pouring into the local churches, spreading the news of Jesus. Just a couple of places that you might know that he went to to give you some context or give you some perspective. One of the places he went was Syria, right? Now, we've heard that a lot in modern day. Let me just give you a map to show you where Syria is, right? Modern day Iraq, okay, Iran. Probably someplace you're not going on vacation right now, okay? This is where Paul was. This is where he went to to help spread the news. And by the way, gang, it was bad back then too, just like it is now. He, in fact, ended up in Galatia, a town that was in modern day Turkey, to go speak into the local church and try to correct what they were writing and wronging, right? Galatia was a place. And then he ended up in Macedonia, and it's so key for us just to understand why he did that. Because he had an influence. He had a story. He had a changed life. He knew the old way, and now he was a part of the new way. And then he actually, to those churches, even when he wasn't physically there, he wrote them letters. He wrote them letters instructing them on what to do and how to actually behave and how they should interact with each other and how they should engage with each other in their communities. And so I told you as we began, there's so much written about Paul, but one of the things that I wanted to do was kind of narrowly focus on who he wrote to one of these letters and what he said to someone that he wrote to, because I truly believe at the end of the day, if we take the scripture for what it is and interpret it properly, that what he wrote all those years ago can actually be applied to our life, us right here, right now in the context of downtown Harbor Church. So I want to take a look at a letter that he wrote. I want to take a look at a letter that he wrote to a guy named Timothy. Timothy was a very young leader in the local church, and I'm not putting this scripture on the scene or on the screen, but one of the things that Paul wrote to Timothy that I love to young people who are a part of the church is, hey, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Paul told Timothy that, but he also told him a lot more. And so I kind of want to go through the greatest hits of Paul's letter to Timothy because I believe we can pick up on some of those things and put them into practice in our life right where we're at starting even today. So if you want to follow along in the scriptures or there's a Bible by you, you can turn to the book of 1 Timothy or if you want to on any mobile device, follow along as always. If not, no worries, it will be on our screen. So in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, this is what Paul writes, To Timothy, my true son in the faith, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace. He granted him with almost the foundation of the Christian faith immediately. Grace, mercy, and peace. Grace, mercy, and peace. And then he told him a couple of things to do, and I'm just going to kind of go through the greatest hits. First thing he told Timothy to do is, hey, Timothy, by the way, brother, pay attention to this. Oppose false teachers. What do you mean, Paul? 
And I don't know about your experience with the local church. Maybe it's been a little different than mine. But my experience, even in the modern day local church, is there's a lot of people who have a platform like this or a microphone like this who are not speaking truth and who are false teaching. They are teaching about the law, the old way. They preach hate and bigotry, not restoration and redemption. And the message of Jesus is rooted in one thing that you will always hear us talk about from this stage. It is rooted in love. 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 Timothy 1 chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 1 verses 3 through 5. As I urge you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. Stop that. That is not what Jesus came to do. Look at what he said. Or devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by what? Faith. The goal of this command is what? Love. The goal of the command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Gang, don't minimize what Jesus maximized. Understand that at the end of the day, regardless of how many laws we follow, regardless of how many services we attend, or how much we read the scripture, and those are not bad things, by the way, gang, it's all rooted in one thing, love. Loving your neighbor as yourself is the Jesus words that he said were the most important things that we ever do. And people were starting to get away from that. And they were promoting false teachings. And Paul said, da, 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 Timothy, be careful, right? Don't miss that. He said, oppose false teachers. And you know what he said? With all your heart, with all your life, he said this, worship God. Let me talk to you about this for a second because there is a misconception in the modern-day local church. Because a lot of times people think that worship, they're intimidated by that word. Because they think that worship is just a moment when music's playing and your hands need to be up at a Christian concert or a service. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Are those moments where you can have a worshipful moment with God? Absolutely. Worship is bigger than just a moment with someone on a stage with a guitar. Worship is how you live your life. Worship is how you treat other people. Worship is giving God your whole heart at all times in every act that you do. That is worship. Worship is not a moment on a stage where you get holy because you think you come to it. Uh -uh. And that's what we've been teaching people. Paul said, don't do that, Timothy. No, no, no. See, we think they had all these problems back then. They don't apply to us anymore. It's still going on today. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. I urge then, first of all, that petitions worship, prayers worship, intercession worship, and thanksgiving be made for who? All people. Not some guy in a robe who's the only person who has a direct connection to God. No, you can worship God right where you're at, Paul says. Timothy, don't miss that. See how important these letters are that he wrote? And then he said this. He goes, hey, not only should you oppose false teachers and worship God, you should do this. Have decency for humanity. Have decency for your fellow person. Treat people the way that you would want to be treated. Seems revolutionary in this day and age, doesn't it? Treat people the way that you want to be treated. This is what he said. I love this. 1 Timothy chapter 5. It says this. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with what? 
absolute purity. Have respect for people. Lift people up. Don't beat people down. That's what was going on in the local church. Paul wouldn't have written it if it wasn't going on. And you know the sad thing? It's still going on today. Treat people decent, right? So key. Now, let me give a little disclaimer. If you ever had an issue with what I'm about to put on the screen next, you should stay away from this with a 10-foot pole. You know if you've had an issue. But if you have not had an issue and you're a nice, casual enjoyer, this is what Paul said. Use wine. I didn't say it. Paul did. Okay? Here's this is the Apostle Paul. That's what he said. 1 Timothy 5.23. Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because, your stomach and your, because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Not a problem, Paul. Okay? Got it. Loud and clear, brother. Getting it done. All right? And I love that alcohol is the one thing that makes this room laugh, by the way. Here's the other thing that he said. I love it. That's what he said. Don't love money. Right? Guys, don't love money. And in South Florida, this is just so, so running rampant. A lot of times we hear money is the root of all evil. Mm -mm. For the love of money is the root of all evil. And Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9, is 10, 9 and 10, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people, this is so key, look at his words here, this is so key, into ruin and destruction. Ruin and destruction. Stay away from it, Timothy. Please don't allow the people you lead to experience that ruin and destruction. This is what he says, so key. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Here's something that I'm just going to bring up because, you know, we don't talk about money a lot around here at DHC. It's just not something that we do. But you know what I believe? I believe money is not the root of all evil. I believe you should make as much of it as you can and be as successful as you can. Just don't fall in love with it. And you know how you can prove that you're not in love with your money? There's only one way. There's only one way that you can prove that you do not love money. Only one is to give it away. And when you can understand that and you can do that, it allows you to be free. The words of Paul says when you are in love with your money, that you have the possibility of falling into ruin and destruction. I don't want to be in ruins. And I don't want to be destructed, right? Don't love and then Paul gave Timothy one final charge, and it's almost poetic and beautiful. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. He said, here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, this is about this God is so much. If we are faithless, he remains what? Faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Almost poetic, beautiful, that Paul would write this to a young leader in the church. Now, as I started this message, I told you I could probably spend 10 weeks or so just on Paul. There's so much. I've condensed this into about 23 minutes, right? But here's what I want you to know about the writings and teachings of the Apostle Paul and his life. There's more, right? There's so much more that he wrote, and you should investigate that, and we're probably going to spend some time during our year at Downtown Harbor Church talking about it, diving in. Here's the one thing I want you to know. Paul's writings are some of the most talked about and picked apart and debated verses in the entire scripture. 
You may agree with some of the things he wrote. You may disagree with some of the things he wrote. I understand because we've had some level conversations about this. It's just debated, gang. But here's what I want you to know. Amongst agreement or disagreement based on what this guy wrote, because you could have that argument. We do here at DHC. Paul, the apostle Paul, is an example of a life redeemed. And the apostle Paul is an example of someone who was so far gone, a murderous criminal who an encounter with the Messiah, Jesus, right where he was at in this form of a bright light, his life was changed. And the one thing I love about every single person who these props represent, gosh, I'm fired up today, okay? I'm getting excited, right? One thing I, one thing I love about these props and what they represent, these people, most of them were a disaster, they were a complete mess, and they were redeemed and restored through Jesus, and God used them anyway. I always love to think about that. Here's what I love about Paul, too. Paul is so different than Peter. Paul is so different than this guy. This guy walked with Jesus. This guy saw him, and he still doubted, right? And he's so different than Mary Magdalene, a person who had to have demons cast out by the Messiah himself. Paul, the apostle Paul, right? He had it all. He was one of the elite of the time. He was a religious scholar who thought he knew everything, and he still needed Jesus. And then Paul went and spread that message. As I said, he just didn't dip one big toe in the pool. He jumped in with both feet. And he is one of the people, as a part of this big story, that transforms humanity as we know it. He is one of the people, as a part of this big story, that changed a nation, that changed nations, that changed our lives because of what he did. So what's the practical for today? Every week at Downtown Harbor Church, we put this word on the screen because we want you to hear something on Sunday and know exactly what to do on Monday. What's the practical? First and foremost, we're just going to go off what Paul wrote Timothy and kind of put it into modern day terms, right? Number one, don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe it. Don't believe everything you hear because some of it, don't miss this, right? Some of it is bogus, some of it's bogus, and the real truth lies within the scriptures. Furthermore, look at the words of Jesus, the only human being to ever walk the face of the earth, claiming to be God, and then proved it. You want to know how to live? Look at what he says. Don't believe everything here. Beware of false teachings. Here's the second one. Worship God with all of your heart, not just in a moment not just in a room like this, not just when someone's playing music. That can be a part of it. That's fine. But worship God with your life. Worship is a way of life. It's a way of how you live. It's the way that you treat people. It's the way that you live each day. It's the way that you choose to respond when you are stuck in traffic on 95. Because I've seen some people get hot, right? I mean, I'm surprised there aren't more deaths, not from like car accidents, but by people shooting each other. Like people are hot, right? Worship God. Before you do anything, worship God. Wouldn't actually every step that you take in life be different if you just had that thought, is what I'm doing, is how I'm going to react a way of me giving thanks and love back to God every single time? Worship God. Treat people well. This is the have decency for human beings. Treat people well. Let me ask you something. 
You treat people well? Are you a jerk? You treat people who you should treat well? You treat them well? How about people you shouldn't treat well because they've wronged you, people have crossed you, people have hurt you? You treat them well? Because having decency for other human beings is something that we are called to do, something that we believe in. Treat people well. And then the last one is this. It's not drink wine. I thought about putting that up there, but I opposed I that. No. It's exercise financial responsibility. I'm just telling you guys. I've sat across the coffee table and the lunch table and the happy hour table with a lot of people who are just a mess financially. Paul used the words ruin and destruction. Exercise financial responsibility. Don't buy things that you should not. Don't fall in love with money. It will ruin your life. It's the most clearly stated thing that I can find in the scripture. Make as much of it as you can. Be successful. I love talking with entrepreneurs. I love people who want to do better for themselves. It's an awesome thing. I'm an entrepreneur. That's who I am as a human being. But I will always tell you this. The first thing that I will do every single time that we get paid for anything is give it away before I do anything else. To just prove to myself and to prove to God to respond to him that this is not something that I'm going to fall in love with ever because it will ruin your life. This next bottom line that we're going to put on the screen describes the life of Paul, and it's powerful, so don't miss this. Because it's this difference in Paul's life between hate and love. And here it is. Hate drove Paul to stop a movement, and love called him to change the world. I mean, I have, I have the chills, right? And I wrote this. <laughs> Here's the deal. When your life is filled with hate and bigotry and law, you act the way he acted, and then an encounter with Jesus can radically shift the direction of who you are. And it's rooted in one thing. It's rooted in love. Let the love of Jesus and what he can bring to your life overflow your life. Let that flow out to other people so that people will look at you and they go, I don't know what that person has, but I want it. People ask me all the time, how do you have so much energy in life? And I was like, I take naps, right? No, the real truth is, is that Jesus has saved my life and filled me up. And I can't wait to tell every person who will hear my voice about it. Do that. Live that way. Paul did. A life redeemed, filled with hate, now filled with love, changed the course of humanity. A transformed, massive shift. It will never be duplicated or never be re replicated like it was in the life of Paul. Major player in the big story wrote over half of that New Testament. Take a look at his life. And if you're where he is or where he was, allow yourself to be transformed by Jesus because he can save anybody no matter where they're at. Let me pray. Father. Thank you so much for who you are and what you do in our life. Jesus, we humbly just tell you we love you. Dear God, I just pray that if there's anybody in this room who just needs to say yes to you for the first time, that they would just right now in their hearts do it. They would right now in their hearts say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to follow after you. Transform me just like you did, Paul. And God, we'll be so quick to give you all the glory because we know you're hearing and answering these prayers. God, help us to live a life of passion for you, being filled up by love and not hate being filled up by restoration and redemption. Help us to be saved. Help us to be transformed. Help people to see it so that we can say 
that you are the reason why, just like Paul did. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We pray all this all in Jesus' name. Amen.